So welcome everyone to episode three of my new podcast called Why Didn't Anyone Tell Me This? And with my guests, we are discussing health issues and questions you may have about your health. And we are going to be debunking some of the myths that we hear around our health. And it's an absolute pleasure for episode three to have Dr. Anis Mukherjee. And she is going to talk about your essential menopause toolkit. Now, Anis is a leading UK hormone specialist, speaker and author with three decades of experience in hospital medicine. And her specialization in hormones from the early days has always focused on optimizing quality of life in relation to hormone problems. And she is an, has an international profile in the field of menopause. And here I have her new book, The Complete Guide to the Menopause, which I've just finished reading, even though I'm post-menopause. And I really, really me recommend this book for anybody. And I'm always asked, which book would people, uh, would I recommend to people to read about the menopause? And this is the Bible. This has everything you will need to know about. So I'm really looking forward to us discussing more and delving a little bit into some of the topics in the book in today's podcast. So Anis's career spans over 30 years as a physician and endocrinologist, and she's been moving between London and Manchester. So I wanted to start, Anis, welcome very, very much today to episode three. And I wanted to start by asking a little bit more about your career. Tell us about your wonderful career. Okay, well, I, you know, went to medical school, graduated and sort of did my rotations as a junior doctor and very quickly realized I, I loved and thrived on, you know, decoding complex health issues. And that was very much what you did as a, in, in a, what we call internal medicine in the hospital. So that's people who come into hospital ill through A&E with all sorts of medical problems. And then rotated through a number of specialties and realized very quickly then that I wanted to study hormones and the specialist hospital specialism in hormones is called endocrinology. Lots of people haven't heard of that. So I've specialized in this for decades um, and endocrinology is the study of all hormones in the body. And so all endocrinologists know a lot about all the hormones and how they interlink and hormones interlink with every other system in the body as well. So Essentially, it's a wonderful world of hormones and it's very important. And I think if you if you understand hormones, you know, you're well on your way to, you know, having a very happy life, really. It's 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 great to understand what's going on in your body, particularly as a woman, because we have them, you know, pumping around, changing all the way through our adult life. So, yeah, that's where I am. I always I always say to people, I think hormones are so powerful and through our our fertile years, as you say, they are pumping around our body. And we met um, first met at the British Menopause Society meeting last year in 2022. And you gave a fabulous talk. I just absolutely was in awe of your talk. And then we, we had dinner together and we just couldn't stop talking about it. And I think, as you say, women, especially understanding our hormones, but because I, I always say they, they are governing our not all of our life, because post-menopause, which we'll come on to now, they don't govern us then. Uh, but certainly from puberty to the menopause, they, they really are governing our lives. And for some women, they'll get through it without too much issue. But for some, there, there may be issues that they would need to, to speak about and delve into a bit more. So um, I know that you've had a, a particular uh, health 
um, some health issues in, in the in the past related to your hormones. So I just wondered whether you wanted to to chat a little bit and tell everyone about that. I will, but just going back to the hormones in our bodies through our lives, um, we don't just have female hormones. We've got pituitary hormones. We've got thyroid hormones. We've got gut hormones, metabolic hormones. So I think it's fair to say right the way through our lives, and in particular, we've got stress hormones, which is highly relevant. So all through our lives, hormones impact on our daily life, our health and our quality of life and well-being and the main thing about hormones is that there's so much we can do ourselves if we understand them to you know be empowered to actually make them work for us and that brings me on to my own diagnosis because i you know i understood hormones very in a lot of detail when i went through my menopause i'd also worked in um a big cancer hospital for many years looking after women who'd gone through lots of different difficult menopause scenarios like young women going through chemotherapy for leukemias from cancer, you know, other cancers, lymphomas. And I looked after many women with breast cancer and I went through breast, a breast cancer diagnosis when I was 41. And um, because of the type and, you know, the sort of circumstances of the breast cancer. I had multifocal disease, but it was a an early stage. So because of the circumstances, we elected for a belt and braces approach. And I had a, a chemical menopause induced by uh, injections. And the reason to say if we understand our hormones, it, you know, it, we've got more control is, is essentially what happened to me. I knew exactly what I was going through. And I did not find it all that difficult and I went through menopause at a time when I was going through a cancer diagnosis so I I, I completely accept that every single woman's menopause experience is different and I, I may be very lucky that I had that I managed my menopause without too much difficulty but I don't think it's a coincidence I mean I may have got worse hot flushes because some women get much worse hot flushes um and it's, you know, it's not your fault if you get severe symptoms, but I know that understanding every single symptom and how I could, you know, change the way that symptom affected me or do things to lessen those symptoms, it made the experience less severe. And that was why I wrote my book, because I wanted to help every woman who chose to, to take control and be empowered going through menopause. And, and I've done that with many, many patients over the years as well. I think that's exactly why we are so on the same page with our views around women's health because I feel exactly the same. And I think we both feel that there's a huge lack of education and without women understanding their bodies, understanding, so I've written about the fertile years, but especially for, for you, what your work with their hormones, if they don't understand things, then <clears throat> when something can go wrong, as, as has happened for you, then your understanding of it um, <clears throat> sorry, really has helped that situation and you've understood it as you've gone through it. So I think that's absolutely essential. Um, so <clears throat> before we go on to, on, on to your, oh, do, do you want to say something yet? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I, and I was just gonna say one more thing because sometimes I think because I'm very holistic, sometimes I get, you know, people saying to me, it's all right for you, you've got the health knowledge and different things. And I think we have to also acknowledge that at the moment, there are narratives going around that are making women very fearful. And I think 
many women are starting treatments to support menopause, which is you know, good. If women need treatment, they should be able to have access to treatment. So treatment should be available. HRT can be very helpful for, for many women. For women who can't take HRT there and need support, there are other treatments available. So I know that there are a whole raft of, of things that we can help women with. There is a problem at the moment that definitely some women who are struggling can't access support or say that they're not being able to access the support they need. And I completely acknowledge and, you know, I really feel for women who feel that they haven't got that support. But I think that we're going in the right direction. I think awareness is better than it's been, you know, amongst primary care GPs, for example. It's better than it's been for, for decades. So I think although, you know, not every single woman feels that she's, you know, in control, we are going in that direction and there is there are things to be positive about. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. And uh, uh, one thing you mentioned there about individualised approach. So, you know, you and I totally agree. We're not one size fits all. Um, I've heard women with the, the HRT discussion saying, well, surely every woman needs HRT. And, and, and I've taken part in a debate recently when um, we've had the discussion about um, the menopause being a hormone deficiency disorder. We are all individuals and you, you taking this holistic approach is so important. And I think your book really, really covers um, this and, and gives women the education about their hormones, the education of what the menopause is and the symptoms, which I think is so important. I think that's the key information we need to get out about symptoms and the way that they can manage that. So I think that that's perfect. And then the next question I ask my guest is, have you heard people say, why didn't anyone tell me this? And I think you've probably answered these questions in, in, in your book. So so let's go on to talk about your book, which, you know, as I said, is really fantastic. There are so many menopause books out there, but I think this is the only one that you need <laughs> um, because you do cover everything. And I absolutely love your metaphor about the the house of menopause with the open open windows did you want to explain to our listeners about um your thoughts around that yeah so i mean regarding my book the reason that it should help every single woman is that i've seen every single woman in every single scenario i've i'm i'm very much a jobbing clinician and i've spent you know hundreds of thousands probably millions of hours in clinics with women over the years and and I've seen everything and so my book aims to help everyone it doesn't matter what your story whether you choose to be on HRT forever and by the way there's not a jot of evidence to suggest that every woman should stay on HRT forever but if a woman feels she does not ever want to come off it because she's tried and it's and she her quality of life is no good without it then that's absolutely fine but that doesn't mean it's the same for everybody and menopause is not a hormone deficiency state. <laughs> so, but in terms, you know, some women really get terrible symptoms when they try and stop HRT. And I would never, I've got many patients who c carry on, you know, way after they need it in terms of what you would expect for symptoms. But some women get, you know, this, unfortunately, some women's symptoms continue. Uh, and some women never need HRT. I've never needed HRT. And, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I've, that's not just fluke, I don't think. I may, I may have had milder symptoms than the women who feel they need it long term. But um, what, women have a lot more agency than most women are led to believe at the moment in improving their menopause experience with or without hormone therapy. And by the way, I see many women on hormone therapy who are not doing very well because they're not, they, they're not in control. 
So my book aims at helping women to take back control or maintain control of, of symptoms and well-being. And the thing that I would say about why did nobody tell me this is that it is all covered in my book because there's so many things that women have said, why, why didn't I know this? Why didn't anyone tell me? It's so, it's, it's so logical. And the, the central theme is you understanding your own body, which by the way, is not the same as anyone else's body and doing the things that work for your body. And it comes down to, you know, what I've described as a toolkit and also something that I put in the book is the house of menopause. And how I describe it is that if you think of your menopause, your body in menopause is that there's lots of different systems in your body and they're trying to create energy and well-being and health within you to make you thrive. And unfortunately, in menopause, the hormone system is under a big, well, in the perimenopause, it's a roller coaster. And then in menopause, it's a big change. That's why it's called the change, the climacteric. Um, and with that change, you can get real destabilization in several areas. And in fact, for many women and many of us through life, men and women, we, we build up a sort of, a, um, I don't know, an overdraft of things, lifestyle factors that are not very good. So, for example, when we're younger, we get away with maybe drinking too much, maybe not doing enough exercise, maybe eating the wrong foods, maybe taking on too many commitments, being very stressed. And when you're younger, whether you're a man or a woman, you can get away with it more. As you get older, things change. And we build up this legacy. And then menopause hits. And for some women, it's like a tsunami. For some women, it really is severe. And suddenly, all those bad habits that have been going for 10, 20, 30 years of adulthood hit. And women say, you know, why am I suddenly overweight? Well, actually, you haven't just suddenly got overweight. It's been building on for several decades. Why do I feel exhausted? It's because your lifestyle hasn't been, you know, focusing on self-care and looking after yourself. Lots of people have really awful sleep patterns, don't have great diets, don't do exercise. So a lot of what you need to do is get back to basics and do things which are very logical. Move every day. Try and eat whole foods. Try to minimize alcohol. Try not to smoke. Um, medication has a role, but medication is not the solution to lifelong health. It just isn't. Medication is really to get you out of struggles. But to, to, to achieve long-term health and well-being, that comes from you and you making your body work for you. And it's different for everybody. Even, you know, metabolism and weight gain, 50% at least of weight changes in adulthood or in childhood relate to genetics. Some women, some people will eat exactly the same. You can, you know, do, do studies on people's lifestyles. And one person might be, you know, two sizes bigger than another person, and that's genes. But we can all manage, we can all think about healthy eating and high fiber and natural foods and minimizing that, you know, the sugary, highly ultra processed foods and things like that. So there's lots and lots of things. And I cover it all in my book. Stress is a big thing in today's world. And it's everybody, everybody, you know, everybody on the in the Western world, for sure, um, tends to have a buildup of too much stress, not enough downtime, not enough rest, not enough time to, to do things like exercise and focus on good nutrition and using poor coping strategies like too much alcohol and smoking and drug, you know, recreational drugs, which is quite epidemic and not talked about. So all of those things, 
if you can be mindful about them, everything, which I talk about in my book, I talk about and make small changes to go in the right direction. It's really not helpful to suddenly think you can go and do a, a marathon after doing no exercise for 30 years. You'll just get injured. Making small changes in the right direction can have such a huge seismic positive effect over time. And, and it's about those small sort of micro dose changes that can make all the difference. And th th there's loads of loads of different things that we can do to, to, to help ourselves. And, and in your book, a few times at the beginning and the end, you've talked about what, what I want as well. We want women to thrive, not just survive. And I, I really think that given the right toolkits, as you said in your book and your biohacks that you talk about, I really think they can. And everything I've read, I've written a lot about exactly the same. I call them the four pillars of well-being, which are nutrition, exercise, sleep, and, and our men mental health. You've covered them in detail in your book. All the books I'm reading about dementia, heart disease, health, you know, nutrition, everyone's saying the same thing. But I'm sure you're finding this, that I, I just feel that some women, they, they haven't had these changes in their lives and as you say it catches up and i think of the menopause is actually a wake-up call uh, which men don't have i think we should take advantage of it yes we can't get away with these things anymore and it's a time to say right you know do you want to change it do you want to spend the next 30 years leading a very healthy and happy life and if so you can make as you say those small changes which can have a big response but do, do you feel a lot of women uh, or some women, not a lot, some women feel that oh, I'll just pop HRT and then I can keep drinking and eating and uh, not exercising and this little pill will be the answer. Or, or are women accepting of, okay, I'm going to listen to you and I'm going to go and do some exercise and do some movement, cut down alcohol, try and eat better? Are, are, they, are they open to that discussion? <clears throat> Yeah, I think I think part of the problem is that HRT was vilified and no one had it. And then in the last few years, it's turned full circle. And now I think the expectations of HRT are too high. And it's human nature to love the idea of a quick fix. We all love the idea of that. I'll just take HRT and then I don't have to do exercise. I don't have to worry about my sleep. I can eat what I want. I can, you know, be stressed. I can, you know, overcommit. And if I take HRT, I'll never get any diseases. I'll be fine. And it's just not true. It's not true at all. HRT can really help with menopause symptoms. It can help women get back on track with lifestyle and exercise and in the workplace. It can it can relieve symptoms. Um, we know that HRT helps with bone health. So for women who have, you know, really big risk factors for osteoporosis or who've had low trauma fractures, HRT has a role. But actually... The lifestyle approaches, which sound like not a quick fix, they sound, oh, you know, well, I have to start moving every day and eat high fiber foods that are healthy and not have any lovely, delicious processed foods or minimize it. And I have to think about when I go to sleep and not drink caffeine after a certain time and not smoke. You know, it sounds too laborious, but actually it's not difficult and Unfortunately, there is no pill, potion, patch, spray, gel, or coil, or you name it, that is a substitute. So I see many women who are on a, they come to see me in clinic and they say, I've come about menopause, my menopause is awful. And I go, well, what about, let's think about medications, you know, if you struggle. 
And there are so many women already on HRT and testosterone for that matter. And then they're saying, well, I'm still not better. And the missing links are often actually the things that you can do for yourself that are free. And the reason we've got this narrative that HRT is a quick fix is because it's all about monetized menopause and glossy ads flashing up. You're going to drop down dead or commit suicide or get divorced if you don't take HRT. Come to my clinic and spend, you know, 5,000 very, very quickly on a miracle cure and everything will be perfect. And it's just not true. And when I say it like that, anyone listening will probably think, well, no, that's not what happens. It is. I, I watch it on social media. That is what is happening every day. And women are promised cures. And you know what's the worst thing is that the power of suggestion and the power of making women terrified about menopause means that as soon as they start taking a treatment that they think is going to work, you get a relief and you feel like you're taking control. So there's an initial improvement, a bit like a placebo effect. And for many women, for about 50% of women who take it, they feel better because it relieves the symptoms. But for many women, they get side effects, they can't tolerate it, and then they feel desperate because they can't take it. Or, you know, women who I, you know, see upset on social media a lot who have been told they can't have HRT because of risk factors. And they feel desperate because they think it's great for everyone else and, and they're left out, you know, they're excluded. So it's a problem at the moment. And my message is, it's all a load of rubbish. You can actually take a huge amount of control yourself. Don't, if, if you're fearful seeing what you see on social media, unfollow those accounts because it's not taking you anywhere. And, and you know, we both want to stress, neither we're all for HRT. We're both of us totally supportive of HRT for those who need it to relieve symptoms and have a go. I, I always say to my friends, if they're having any symptoms, have a go, have a go and see you know, I can't say what, whether it's going to work for you or not. Have a go. Um, but, you know, I just think if we're, you know, if, even if we're, whether we're on HRT or not, whether we get to our 50s and 60s and if we're not exercising and not really looking after our health, we're not going to be thriving in our 60s and 70s, whether we're HRT or not. It's, it's not going to make us look younger or, you know, all of these things that social media is, you know, prevent dementia and all these things that it's saying it's going to do. Um, we've got to look after our well-being and all the things that you've talked about in your book. Yeah, and just quickly on from that, I mean, I, I, I see lots of women who are terrified of HRT still in my clinics. And I will say, I think you should have HRT. I'm not saying here have it forever because it's going to, you know, keep you looking 25 and it's going to prevent every disease because it doesn't. Some of these, you know, re reduced risk in studies is not the same as prevention. It's completely different. Lifestyle provides prevention, but medication doesn't, it, it, it may reduce risks of some things. But with, with HRT, there isn't a de definite risk reduction in natural times menopause, apart from, you know, into, with women who've got osteoporosis. But the, the point is, I spend my life prescribing HRT. I, I don't have a problem with it. It's just that women expect it to, to cure everything and it's not doing it. So there's mass confusion. And we do have, to, we all need lifestyle as a, as a cornerstone in management, definitely. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, the, so many diseases can really significantly be reduced with the, with the exercise, good nutrition, 
you know, and, and as I said, that, that menopause time now is our, our wake up call. And, and I want to ask my guests about myths that they want to debunk. I think in the menopause, you've covered quite a few of them. There are so many and social media is not helping. And I, I think for women, we're doing a huge disservice with giving women false information about this and we're leading to a very confused situation and I think we've created a very negative narrative around the menopause that it's all doom and gloom and you're, you're going to have a terrible time we don't want to listen to the positive stories and I think more than anything it's even unfair for the next generation because now the younger women are listening to all of this and they're totally freaked out you you hear if you speak to a woman in her early 40s and suggest she might be perimenopausal. No, no, you know, it's, it's like a horrified area that they just don't want to get to because they are convinced they're going to look old and become all these terrible things that the media is really portraying to them. So were, were there any other myths that you haven't covered that, that you want to debunk that are really yeah. not true? Yeah, so I mean, I, I specialize in hormones and I see men and women of all adult ages. And one of the things that's been very prevalent over the last five to 10 years is you know, one lifestyle is becoming more adverse, but particularly stress. Social media has changed the narrative with regard to stress, sleep because of the stressful content we see in the evenings and, you know, the interconnection, the, the added stress of the things that you see on social media. The fake news is a huge deal on social media and in the media and misinformation. This is across society. So I see teenage girls and boys and men and, you know, men and women of all adult ages, not just women of a perimenopause demographic, having reduced quality of life, having higher rates of anxiety, having, you know, more fatigue, more sleep problems. This is across society. And the problem, the myth at the moment is that when a midlife woman gets fatigue, anxiety, low mood palpitations, it's all put down to, you know, the menopause transition. But this is a symptom. These are symptoms that are actually across society increasing over the last few years. Also, weight changes, you know, weight and body mass index is increasing over the last decade. It's not just women experiencing the menopause transition. It's children, it's men and women of all ages. So I think menopause gets a bad rap because everything's put down to menopause. And actually, a lot of these symptoms are nonspecific and they're occurring across society because of our world changing. And some of these symptoms, particularly, you know, anxiety and depression and, and some of the sleep problems and fatigue, that the prevalence is increasing across society. And the prevalence of those symptoms in women going through menopause 20 years ago was not as great. It was much more hot sweats and, and period problems and, and anemia and things like that. So I think the myth is that I think every symptom in midlife is put down to menopause. And the other worrying thing that I see and you touched upon this, is that younger women, they hear the word menopause and they think, gosh, I can prevent that if I take HRT. And that's one of the reasons we've got HRT shortages, because women who don't have symptoms are going to their GP and saying, I need HRT, I'm 45. And they get grilled and they know what the symptoms are. And they're all going on HRT because they think they're going to prevent anything ever happening to them. And, you know, if you've got symptoms, it's great. 
because it'll help symptoms. Well, for, for many women, it will. But if you haven't really got menopause symptoms, it can cause a lot of problems with bleeding and side effects. Um, and it, it just won't work. And, and at the moment, my patients who really benefit from HRT can't get hold of it because the shortages and women are going on it who don't really need it. And they're saying it's not helping. Though it's not going to help if you haven't got a problem, so you know, or, or a problem related to menopause. So there's a lot of myths. There are a huge amount of myths at the moment, and I see it with clarity because I see real people in real lives in my clinics every day. And social med media is just fake. It's not real. Yeah. And and you're right. It's not just the big bad menopause that's doing all these things. And um, so, in your amazing career that you've had, helping so many people. And the brilliant book that you've written, and I know you're just doing so much work around the menopause now. What what motivates you? Because one of the things I really want to do in these podcasts is give everybody. These podcasts are not just for women; they're they're absolutely men. Everyone should be listening to them. But I think sometimes, especially in later life, people can lose their mojo, but they can lose their motivation. So, what what you know, when you wake up in the morning, when you jump out of bed, what is motivating you to keep doing all your brilliant work? Because I, I know I can make a difference because I see people in clinic week in, week out, and I see them for follow up and I see them better. And they come back and they say, oh, my gosh, you know, three years ago, you know, I had no sex drive. I, my marriage was on, on, the, on the rocks. I had all these symptoms. And I'm just thinking of somebody who I saw this week, actually. And now she's amazing. She's about to have her 60th birthday, actually. And she's so much better. And I see people for follow up who have transformed and you know, sometimes that transformation is with hormones. Sometimes, most of the time, it's actually a lot through things that they can do for themselves that cost zero. And that improves their quality of life. And I say, look, if you look after yourself, you'll be that you'll be much better used to all those around you who you're trying to look after rather than, you know, working yourself into the ground and then not being able to look after everyone you want to look after. And so what motivates me is that I can make a big difference. You know, I know that I can and I, I see it week in, week out when I see patients for follow up. And when I see new patients, I say, look, I know how you feel, but I know that you're going to be better soon. And, you know, then they come back and they go, yeah, I'm great now. <laughs> and it's not always straightforward and it's different for everybody. But most of what I do is small things, maybe bits of medication, some type, but mostly it's about looking at an individual's life and helping them get back on track and helping them to have agency over their own health and well-being. So I, th I think for me, that's that's absolutely fantastic. And the message should be, and so this is something when I'm giving my talks in schools, etc. If you are suffering and your life's not where you want to be, your well-being's not where you want to be, your health, go and see someone. Go and see someone like you. And look what a difference. You know, you, you are turning people's lives around and people should not be suffering in silence. I know our NHS is a bit of a mess at the moment, but we can lead happy lives and we can get our health back on track. And seeing you would be, you know, for many, as has already been the answer for so many women. And that's just brilliant that they can get their, their own personal motivation back and their own health back. So keep, keep it up. Keep it up. 
Well, yeah, but I mean, one of the reasons I wrote my book is because not every single person can come and see me in clinic. And, you know, at the moment, I'm not, even, I can't, I'm not in the NHS at the moment. So I'm very mindful of health inequalities. Not everyone can come and see me. That was why I wrote my book, because I think it's about 10 quid. And I think you can get free trials on some of these audible things where you don't even have to pay. And in my book, I go through all those because I go through wherever you are. If you're literally a couch potato or if you're a, you know, if you're a, a Pilates instructor and, and you've lost your mojo, whichever level you're at, you know, the, my book has a step, you, you know, because you've read it, but it's got a step-by-step -step guide and it's pretty easy to read depending on, you can select the chapter. But that was why I wrote my book because not everybody can come and see me, but everyone can potentially read my book and it's not a difficult read or they can listen to it on a book tape, you know. So. And, and, you know, it's half the population. So it's absolutely essential reading for women, ideally before they get to the menopause. Um, you know, this is something I've been trying in my education. We need this information before. So I think women in their 30s need to read your book um, or even earlier so that they're prepared of what's going to come. And then also you clearly outline the symptoms. So when those symptoms do hit, we, we hear a lot of women say um, they didn't know that this was a symptom or that was a symptom and they thought they had something else wrong. And then those stops joining up with understanding it's a menopause, perimenopause symptom. I think you, you've clearly explained in your book. So that's such brilliant advice. Um, I wanted to finish off just asking you a couple of personal questions about what makes you happy and have you got a happy place? Again, thinking of motivation. Yeah, I mean, I, I love to be with my friends and family. I've got a really wonderful set of friends and family, which is really lucky. And I, I'm, I'm aware that I'm lucky. And I'm also aware that having a real life social network across generations is a really powerful thing for your long term health. So that really, you know, is wonderful for me. On Christmas Day, I had, you know, my 88 year old father in law, my mother in law, my mother, who are both in their 80s. Um, myself and my husband, we have the kids who are, you know, young adults. And we just have the most brilliant time. We all get on. We all chat. My kids love their grandparents. They're so lively. And I think it's really a rich tapestry to mix with people, you know, who are different ages, you know, different circumstances in life. So and I've got an amazing set of friends as well. So so that's I think that's really important. And it's really important for me. And it makes me very, very happy. Um and then happy places. I mean, I love being outside in the fresh air. I went for a really long walk in Dunhamassey, which is a beautiful sort of country park near where I live uh, yesterday with a, a couple of girlfriends and we chatted and it was it was cold and it was cloudy, but it was wonderful to be outdoors um, on a really lovely long walk. I really love the sun. I think most people who know me will know that I'm a, I love being warm. I love being in warm places. My two favourite destinations to be that I'd love to spend more time are Turkey and Portugal. I absolutely love it. And I, you know, tend to go to both every year if I can, bar pandemic years. But um, I love those and I love to travel. So warmth, outdoors, family and friends is um, all my happy places. Fantastic. And I, and I think so many people would absolutely agree with you and having that that community, friends and family, and being outdoors is just, yeah, just, just wonderful. And so the very last question, um, what advice would you give your younger self? And it doesn't have to be necessarily you personally, but a younger, a younger you, a younger person. I think as, especially a lot of my guests will be 
probably nearer my age because lots of my friends, etc. But I think as wise people now experience a bit of life, I think more than ever, it's great to give the younger generation some of our wisdom. And I think we, we all get stuck in detail and we all get stuck in minutiae, particularly with social media today and all of that. But I mean, throughout our lives, I think we have that. And for me, it would be don't sweat the small stuff. Don't, don't, you know, unless you think a problem is really still going to be a problem in five years time, don't, don't lose sleep over it. Just try and see the big picture and, and, you know, not, not focus on those, you know, negatives that are in the here and now, because they probably won't matter even tomorrow, let alone in a year. Um, and self-belief, because I think a lot of women in particular tend to sweat the small stuff and lack self-belief. And I think we just need to, you know, if you want to do something, again, to, to do with agency, we, we can all do a lot more than we give ourselves credit for. And I think men are better at just going for it and women tend to hold back. So self-belief, focusing on the positives, not sweating the small stuff. Those are absolutely beautiful. And I think I think they'll be really motivating and really touch a lot of people and help them think about their lives. And I always think it's never too late. It's really never too late. But no matter what age you are, you can still go for leading, uh, as my mother said, good health and happiness. So, um, Anis, I just wanted to thank you. That was, we could talk for hours. Um, but as you said, everything's covered in your book. I highly, highly recommend women of any age. I'm postmenopause and read it, and I still learned something. And it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. I wish we were in person, but we're quite a way uh, geographically apart. But I hope to see you again soon. <laughs> so thank, thank you so much for being my guest on episode three of Why Didn't Anyone Tell Me This? Thank you, Anis.